It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. The Bengals are five and four heading into their bye week, and that's not so good. The Bengals were five and two two weeks ago atop the AFC, the entire AFC, the number one seed in the conference, and it's not like the rest of the conference has run away with it since they beat the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens had their bye. They won. They're six and two now. The Bills are losing games. The Tennessee Titans are atop the putrid AFC South. And the Bengals go from 5-2 and two and first in the AFC to 5-4. and four. And for now, before Pittsburgh plays its Monday night game, last in the AFC North. And the last six quarters of football in particular have been brutal. I think if you were to talk to Bengals fans before the season started and you were to say, hey, 5-4 and four at the bye, Maybe they're not so upset, but after the last two games, blowing an 11-point lead late against the Jets and just, I mean, whatever this was on Sunday against the Browns, it just is such a terrible way for this team to go into the bye week, and it's a lot for them to recover from and overcome. Yeah, uh, 41-16. I mean, that's honestly, two weeks ago against the Ravens, it was flipped. The Browns flipped it on them. Yep. And, and and they just they came in here and they crushed them and they left no doubt. They never trailed. And the Bengals, yeah, they moved the ball on offense and they'll, they'll blame the turnovers. But I don't know about you. I think the turnovers can be corrected. Like, I'm not super worried that Joe Burrow is going to throw a 99 yard pick six against the Raiders in a couple of weeks. But you know what I think is a concern? This defense is exactly what I thought it was at the beginning of the year. And outside, we have a two year sample size. And now we have a two-game sample size, and all of that's the same, where they can't tackle, they're undisciplined, they give up explosive plays. And so maybe that seven weeks was just the outlier. Like, that's what they had me questioning. Maybe them being as good as they were and, and forcing turnovers in key moments and, and getting pressures and stuff. Because, look, Jake, it was 7-7. Seven to seven. And the, the Browns score, they go up 14-7. And I said, man, if the Bengals don't score here, they're in trouble. It felt right away like this offense was going to have to score 40. And they didn't score. And they went for it on fourth down, down for 14-7, which I get going for it. You're on your own, you're on the Browns 40. And they didn't get it. And on the next play, Donovan Peoples Jones goes for 60 yards and it's 21-7. And that was pretty much your ball game because the Bengals were trying to play catch up from there. Yeah, the game script really didn't go their way. And while all the points aren't on the defense, you certainly have concerns about the defense, I think rightfully so, if you give up 41 points to the Browns. And again, not all on the defense. We'll talk about that in a second. After giving up, what, 35, 34, whatever it was to the Jets. And again, not all on the defense in that game. But you you can't do that in back-to-back weeks, giving up 18 points per game to start the year. And, And then 
this, this two week spell going into the bye week really makes you question, you know, what's going on in the defense? What happened where they come out with a great game plan against Baltimore and confuse and contain Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense. And then it's not like the Jets have a good offense. They can't score against anybody. Then the Bengals come in there and, and Joe Goodberry points out the Browns offense have been struggling too, but you kind of had the feeling coming into this game. I did anyway that, you know, I was a little bit worried about it, um, but mm-hmm. it, it quickly went off the rails. Like the first drive of the game, I'm thinking, okay, the Bengals offense is is good to go. They have a good game plan. They're moving the ball. And then the pick six is just now you have to do all this work to get it to the point where when Cleveland's offense comes onto the field for the first time, it's back to a zero zero game. You have to do all this work yep. and go score on two drives, essentially. And and then, like you said, James, you know, the, the, the Browns quickly come back and answer. And, and then the Bengals offense really takes itself out of the game. And this is why I don't put it all in the defenses. Three of the first Bengals four drives on offense were interception turnover on downs after Samaje Piran drop on third down, by the way, which shouldn't be forgotten. It wasn't just a fourth down play. That was a problem. And then well, a fumble from Jamar Chase. Cause he was going to have the first down for sure. Oh yeah. 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 So it's, it's fumble, three out of yeah. four drives where you're turning the ball over essentially and, and either giving up points directly on the turnover or giving up positive field position to the Browns. And, you know, the defense doesn't, you know, they're, they're not playing from a good spot. It's not like the Browns have these massive drives where, you know, the Bengals are putting them behind and, and making Cleveland be the drop back passing team. Instead, the Bengals became, okay, now you guys have to be a drop back passing team because you're down two scores. And, the Browns just have the matchup advantage there with their front four. And and that from there, as you say, James, like the game just kind of gets away from them, but really the first four drives of the game, just disaster for the offense and defense, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That's the problem is the first seven weeks of the year. If Joe Burrow throws an interception or there's a fumble or there's some kind of issue on offense, because there has been all year, they've been really inconsistent. The defense was good enough to overcome it. And so now nothing's changed on offense, still inconsistent, have some turnovers here and there. And today, obviously more than other days, but the defense isn't good enough to make up for it and hide it and, or, or, or do enough to hold serve. And so that's the problem, right? Cause it, like the turnovers are bad, but the explosives are just as bad. How the hell is Nick Chubb going to break multiple tackles for, you know, on the first, their first possession on the, his first run, I believe, but there were multiple runs. Or Jesse Bates is missing broken ta- or you're missing tackles. Uh, so someone as great as him, when he's playing his best, to all, all the way down the line. Sam Hubbard had missed tackles, and I know he played well, but like that just can't happen. I know Chubb's hard to tackle, but 70-yard touchdowns, not if you're supposed to be this top 10 defense. Because top 10 defenses, m- maybe once a game, you, you know, maybe once against this really really good Browns rushing attack, not throughout the game. I mean, I, I, I so yeah, that and then. Again, this offense is so inconsistent, and they have these really high highs. Well, the past two weeks, you haven't had the big plays. I think Joe Burrow's longest pass was for 20 yards, and there was a drop, and then there was an almost catch by Chase, and then another drop, uh, and not just by Chase. Higgins had drops too that I would count as drops. But th- those two guys, if they're not making these highlight plays, where where are you generating your offense? What are you going to do? when you need a huge play. And I think that's what we've seen the past couple of weeks with the offense 
in in critical moments of the game because obviously by the end of this game, they're, they're, it was over. But you know the drop by Samaje Piran, you're right. That that's a play that could, I don't know if it's going to change the outcome, but it certainly would have changed the momentum. There are a number of plays in this game where at halftime I was looking at it and I'm thinking I'm trying to summarize the half because it's obviously gone terribly. Yeah, right. Twenty four is it's like, well, you know, the offense is moving the ball and the defense has given up explosive plays. So the defense has certainly been a problem, but on offense, it's just these, these big momentous plays haven't gone their way. They get third and three on the goal line and throw mm-hmm. a pick six, a 99 yard pick six, which is, you know, a really bad throw from Joe Burrow. He said he left it inside after the game. I think that's true. Denzel Ward, fantastic play for him, ran the route for Jamar chase. They get a fumble from Jamar Chase. They don't get a turnover. They, they don't get a fourth down. And so all of these three massive plays have massive impacts on the game. And then from there, like, I don't even know what you can take away from the second half after the first drive, right? Like, they get the stop, and then the Bengals offense can't, can't, can't do anything with it, right? And then the game's over. But more to talk about in this one, James, and, and let's dissect it a little bit more coming up next. Yeah, I got to tell you about DirecTV because, you know, you probably got to the fourth quarter and then you're like, okay, you know, Jake and I are watching the game. It's our job to cover the game and, and make sure we're giving you the best Bengals coverage on Lockdown Bengals. But maybe you wanted to, to stream something or maybe you wanted to watch another game or maybe you wanted to do this or that or whatever on TV. Well, DirecTV stream brings it all together in one spot. So you don't have to fumble remotes, you know, like it's Jamar Chase and footballs or throw it to your neighbor like Joe Burrow. You know, I'm just kidding. All right. I shouldn't be so mean. My point is, is direct TV stream is going to make your TV watching and TV viewing experience so much easier because you're not going to have to go through different logins or ask your friend for this or that. It's in one place. All of your on-demand favorites, all of your favorite shows, all of your live TV, including sporting events like Bengals, Browns, where the Browns obviously were victorious. So make sure you check them out right now. DirecTV stream, bundle it together at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, the uh, weird box score quirks of this game are are kind of interesting to me because of the turnovers early. The Bengals had 25 first downs to the Browns' 14 first downs. The Bengals and Browns converted the same amount of third downs because the Browns only had one third down in the first half. The Bengals ran 70 plays to the Browns' 46 plays. And obviously, the Browns made the most of their plays by a pretty significant margin. And when you look at efficiency in this game is where later after the first half, things really fell apart. The Bengals end up averaging five yards of play to the Browns 7.8 yards per play. And this is one where, you know, Zach Taylor right after the game says he feels like the opportunity got away from them. feels like they had opportunities to let it get away from, let the game get away. And that might sound a little ridiculous to fans. 
right? Like you guys just got blown out. What, what opportunity was there? But we talk about those three big plays in the first half, which is really when the game is still in doubt. The second half, like I said, after those first couple drives, almost irrelevant to the outcome of the game. But this is one where, again, you're going to look back if you're a Bengals fan and say, what if? And these pivotal plays not going their way, it just stays with me. And it's such a contrast to, as you've pointed out, early in the year when when they would have a moment like this, they would find the answer. And the last two weeks when they've needed answers, they have not had them. Yeah, it's... It's... It can go one or two ways with this five and four. And I thought this was a swing game going into it. So I have no reason to believe it, it isn't. But this team, I think, looks at it that way and looks at it very logically. And that's good to a degree. But at some point, you need to answer. Like, I think they looked at the Jets game very much. We didn't come out the way we needed to. Then we answered and we let them off the hook and we let this one get away. But we're going to come out with more intensity. We're going to come out the right way against the Browns. And it just never felt like Baltimore felt where they were the aggressor. There were times at at that Baltimore game where it was close, or there was times against the Vikings where it was close, or insert whatever game you want to talk about where the Bengals end up winning. But it felt like they were aggressor, the the aggressor, that they were the more physical team, that they were all those cliches that you talk about. Never felt that. I saw missed tackles on defense. I see turnovers on offense. I see Burrow, especially in the second half, and I get it, they had to throw it a ton. But my God, he got hit on every damn play. I mean, I'm sure the TV broadcast didn't show up. Every play. There was very few plays where Burrow was not getting hit at some point or getting touched. And uh, I'm sure he's really sore. He's going to have to grab himself a built bar to help recover. Maybe a couple. Maybe a whole box. Hopefully he'll use our promo code. But it's uh, it, it, it got away. You're right. And there are pivotal plays, swing plays in games. I mean, same thing with Baltimore. There were swing plays in that game. And then it snowballs against the Ravens. But the really good teams can find a way at some point to stop it from snowballing, whether it's a, a, a set of plays in a game or now back-to-back losses. So does this team have what it takes to step away for the, the buy, and they should, and, and, and reset mentally and get healthy physically to come back and go to Vegas and beat a team that is going to be ahead of them in the standings potentially – depending uh, what they do next week, but they're five and three. Um, that, that's that's the question. Because if you lose to Vegas, there are not going not gonna to be a lot of people that think that you're going to suddenly make this second half run. And uh, I think a lot of people are already starting to doubt them. Yeah, and we'll have plenty of time in the next two weeks to talk about the second half, to reflect on the first half and kind of the roller coaster ride it's been. But after the Raiders, just to look ahead a little bit, it goes Raiders, Steelers, Chargers after the bye. So a little bit of a... For those that uh, can't uh, see my face on YouTube, that's scary. James has bug eyes going on. It's it's a tough stretch. And you wanted to get to the bye at at least six and three. I mean, after the start they had, you're looking and saying seven and two is a real possibility. But one thing you mentioned... <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it sounds ridiculous now. Like, I it, feel it, like I was hoodwinked. Sure. But I mean, how do you see 41-17 against the Ravens? and expect them to yeah. come lose to the Browns 41-16 two weeks later. I mean, th- there's a couple of things going on here. One, it could just be young team things, right? They're, they're, stern- those, they're still learning. 
to, mm-hmm. to be a team. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of vibes this week. And I'm not saying this necessarily applies to the Bengals game, but you look around the NFL this week, there's a lot of reminders that the NFL is very much a week to week league. And when people like me get complacent against a team like the lions, and then the Bengals back me up and they go out and crush the lions. And then I say, the Bengals should do to the Jets what they did to the Lions because they're a much better football team. It's just a reminder, right? That like, you know, the Bills lost to Jacksonville. Dallas gets blown out by uh, the Denver Broncos. Just a reminder that it's a week-to-week league. So those two things could be part of it. Or it could be that, you know, the Bengals beat the Steelers without TJ Watt. They eked one out against the Jaguars and the Lions are truly miserable at 0-8. And and then, I I don't know. I don't know how you explain 41-17 against the Ravens that the Bengals are a bad team. But it could just be that that thing. It's it's a week to week league. I mean, Ryan Finley mm-hmm. beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, so yeah, you know, any given Sunday definitely is an adage that applies. And to the team's credit, every single player that talked in press conferences today backed up Zach Taylor's idea that they have the leadership this year, with the implication that they didn't previously have the leadership to endure this and come out the other side. And obviously they need to prove it. I don't think that, you know, we talk about equity from time to time. You, you like that word. I like that word as well. They don't have it right now. So there's a lot of, we'll believe it when we see it, but we need to see it. Right. And and they have an Mm -hmm. opportunity to show it to us, but it's going to be, uh, as we discussed with those three games out of the bye an uphill battle. Yeah. It's, um, all of the equity that they built with this fan base, specifically casual fans. And I don't even mean, because I, I think we, we talked to some casual fans for sure here on Locked on Bengals, and we appreciate every single one of you. We talked to a lot of diehard fans daily, Jake. I think that's fair. The casual fans that have turned us on and that turned us on after the Baltimore Ravens game and that were excited to maybe buy tickets for the Steelers game or excited to come to the Battle of Ohio after that Ravens game, because there were 65,419 people. It was packed in this mother bleeping stadium. And yeah, there were some Browns fans, but that equity, a lot of them are saying same old Bengals now. And so, yeah, Zach Taylor can say that the players can say that, but man, I hope behind closed doors, it isn't like that. I hope they're losing their bleeping minds and maybe, you know, and they probably are. I, I would be, I just know Everything that they built with the, especially the, you know, casual fans that, you know, flip on the game or, you know, will listen to certain sports talk or, you know, the best locked on or the best Bengals podcast ever locked on Bengals. You know, if you do that, you're, you might not be doing that this week and you might not do it next week and the Bengals might have to earn you back. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do when you not necessarily lose to the Browns because they could have lost today. This is where the Jets loss hurts. This is where losing to a ridiculously bad, awful Bears team hurts. And so that's the part of the young team vibe. Those are two losses that never should have happened. So yeah, you could have gotten your doors blown off here and still been six and three or seven and two, but they didn't do it. They didn't handle business when they should have. And so today felt more like a must win than it needed to because of the letdowns on the road against inferior teams. And that's what they are. And you were right to say that, by the way, you're not wrong about that. And so they put themselves in a bad position and, and this is what they get. And it, it's crazy. Cause right now, as we're talking, there aren't a lot of huge takeaways from this game. Like we covered the defense turnovers. 
there's not much else. Uh, you know, I mean, we could get into the coaching, which I think we should probably do at least a little bit. Uh, I know people probably aren't exactly excited about Lou Anarumo. So may maybe that's something we can dive into. Yeah, I also think like Joe Burrow's, the hits in this game really got away from them. And this is, we haven't uh, talked very much about game script this year, James, uh, but it no, was a thought year. that occurred to me that we didn't talk about that I wanted to talk about in our game preview. So we can talk about that a little bit, that impact on the game, talk about coaching. I mean, I think we're going to have to go back at the tape. We'll talk to Bengal Sands tomorrow. We'll talk to Joe Goodberry later this week, and we will uh, finish up our thoughts on the Bengals' last game before the bye coming up next. But first, a word from BetOnline. Or no, Built Bar. Sorry, I got Built Bar today. Sorry, you have BetOnline, Jake. And Built Bar, look, you need to send Joe Burrow some Built Bars, a lot of Built Bars. I'm going to get with Built Bar and do it because he needs to recover this week. The Bengals need to recover. Uh, you know, Chad Johnson was in the house, and he was great at recovering after games. He was the ruler of the jungle. Well, Chad, you're bad luck. You're not allowed to be ruler of the jungle anymore. Uh, but Built Bars are the number one protein bar on the planet, and I love them. I have one. See, so look, people think I'm kidding. I have a Built Bar right here in my bag that I bring to Paul Brown Stadium. I had one. I ate one earlier. This is my backup. You never can have enough cookie dough chunk in your life, but – uh, you guys know how much I talk about Bill Bars, how much I love them. They're packed with protein. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories. They're perfect for you. And they're covered in 100% chocolate. So they taste like a candy bar, but they have the health benefits of a protein bar. So check them out right now. Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. Zach Taylor was getting coach of the year odds on betonline.ag and uh I, I think those odds got a lot longer as the Bengals go into their buy at five and four but betonline.ag still has you covered for all of the betting action that you need whether it's basketball football whether it's mma whether it's boxing check out their new website they've got more props, more action than ever before and we've got a 50% welcome bonus for you on your first deposit just use promo code locked on when you sign up to again get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. Well, James, I guess we we have to finish talking about this nightmare of a game. I'm just so unexcited. But that being said, I guess, I guess let's dwell on negatives a little bit before we look ahead too much because there's still a chance that the Bengals go win 10 games this year and, and right this ship. And all of the, the doom saying that we're about to do is, is turned on its head. But I, I think a very worrying trend has emerged with this defense in the last two weeks. And I, I just, it's not like they've been dealt injuries, right? Trey Waynes hasn't played all year. It's not like they have guys that they've lost to injury and suddenly things fell apart. And maybe that's what's most concerning is they've been healthy and they're losing anyway. It's not like they're losing guys and, and that's leading to the fallout. Last year, we heard coaches talk about it. They had injury issues that they couldn't overcome. And some of that was reasonable. Some of that, you could see the argument. And this year, it's you're healthy. And, and you're spiraling. 
Can you catch yourself? Can you get out of the drain? Can you right the ship? That is a bi-week challenge because this defensive performance two weeks in a row, it's the same players. And they just, in the run game in particular against the Browns, I felt like they got outcoached. And that's just kind of a tough feeling. They got outplayed a little bit too. The Browns offensive line is very good. But Tony Romo said this during the game, James. And I know you don't have the broadcast in your ears all the time when you're at Paul Brown Stadium. He said, Bill Callahan, the Browns uh, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, once he sees the defensive fronts, he knows what to call into them. And he saw the Bengals defensive fronts and dialed up a couple of perfect plays using pullers, using man blocking, using power. And the Bengals didn't have answers and they were just outgapped. And, and the Browns had a guy for every guy. And, and that makes me think about adjustments and what Sam Hubbard said after the game about the defense being a little bit too slow to adjust sometimes. Yeah. And look, that was their issue, I think, against the Jets, right? They didn't adjust. And yeah, they weren't making tackles. And that's part of it. But here's the thing, like coaching in general, and it's a fine line. It's a real fine line uh, for this team, because I think offensively, they put a ton on Burrow and a, a ton on Chase and a ton on, you know, and they're banking on these guys to make downfield plays and make huge plays in critical moments. And sometimes that's a lot to ask for a young player. It's a lot to ask Joe Burrow to do what he does because the Browns still haven't asked it and he's in year four. Okay. So, you know, Baker Mayfield doesn't do nearly what Joe does nearly. Um, and, and so that's the part of it where you're like, okay, scheme wise. And then especially defensively, because I, I think offensively they have a higher ceiling than the defense. Are you going to have a curveball? Are you going to be able to adjust? Are you going to move up in the box when he, he switches from the fastball to the slide, right? And and the good coaches can do that, and they have that in their uh, in their portfolio and their repertoire. And I, I just, for some reason, this defense the past two weeks I don't think has done that. Um, and uh, it's it's scary because of the last two years in six twenty five and one. And that it could spiral down. And I think Zach felt that in his news conference with the questions that were being asked. And um, that's it's going to be something that we we obviously get the answer to over the next uh, nine weeks, eight games. But, um, yeah, the, the lack of adjustments on defense. Look, Baker Mayfield crushed them last year in week seven on this very field without Odell Beckham Jr. They should have known that he was going to be able to, to, to have a big game. And he didn't even need to have a big game because of how he weird didn't. it was. I mean, he had a couple you know? of big throws. Like he found Donovan Peoples-Jones getting loose behind quarters coverage when Von Bell took a crosser he shouldn't and didn't give help to Eli Apple inside. He had a whole shot to – I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a nice game, but Baker didn't have to do much, I think is what you're trying to say. And he, he didn't, but he did enough. He's 6-1 and one against the Bengals. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. He's crushed him. He's how 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 about Joe Burrow? Him. Let's pivot to the other quarterback because both of us kind of had this feeling that you know Joe Bur Joe Burrow isn't going to go to zero and three against Baker Mayfield. This is the only AFC yeah. North opponent that he's played three times. Joe Burrow, you know, he, he had a couple of nice throws today, and and some of his better throws weren't completions; they were dropped. But he, he got crushed, and some of that was holding the ball a little bit too long at times. Some of that was the offensive line when they become a became a one-dimensional team in the second half, but he, he also wasn't great. And mm -hmm. so Joe Burrow at the Bengals by Vance Meek on Twitter points out leads the league in interceptions. Can't have that. Is, is, oh, yeah. He what, was second where, where going you, into the game. He had nine. 
So yeah, you add a couple to it. Yeah. So, so where are you on Joe Burrow right now, James? Where's your alarm level? Because for me, it's still like, okay, he's going to figure it out. I still have that feeling because of the guy he is, but the, the turnovers have been a consistent theme. Well, yeah, they've been a consistent theme, but he's doing like advanced calculus and Baker Mayfield's doing like algebra two because of what Kevin Stefanski Right. I'm, I'm not talking about the comparison to Baker though. It's just like no, for the but, Bengals and, no, and what they're asking so him to do. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, is if Zach Taylor's a damn good coach and knows what he's doing offensively, he'll help Burrow a little bit and not make Burrow have to throw for 200 yards in the first half with it going up and down. Like that's it. Like at some point, because you're never, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to have a bad guard or you're going to have a, a questionable offensive line or you're going to have crappy weapons. And that's what the the Browns receivers were compared to the Bengals. They're crappy. But does the Browns offense, do they struggle? Sometimes. But today they didn't. Why? Because they were getting the ball to their backs and their tight ends. And it was all scheme stuff. So maybe you'll see more of that in the second half. And I don't blame Zach or blame this coaching staff for wanting to put a ton on Burrow's plate or really – making chase do as much as he does on the field. Like you should, cause they're that talented and they're that good. But if he's struggling and it's costing you in key moments, maybe you want to make it easier and put them in a position to succeed. And I, and I don't know if they, maybe they can't do that because of the offensive line flaw that still continues to come up, you know, and, and that maybe that's it, but I'm not concerned about burrow as far as him being ultimately a really, really good quarterback. I think he's, got the, you know, has a chance to be the best quarterback in the division. But at some point it's a theme. And I think for the first time this year, I didn't even count it really in Chicago because they were awful before the interceptions in Chicago and they were already out of the game. And he just further put them out of the game with the interceptions. But today against the Browns, the interceptions and the turnovers in general cost them. And if he doesn't throw that pick six to start the game, I wonder if things are completely different, even if they settle for three there might've been completely different. And so today was the first time I think his turnovers really cost him this year. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I feel that way, but it, it's very acute in today's game. The turnovers have been a problem all year. And, and this year it's interceptions. Last year it was actually fumbles and the fumbling issue has mostly gone away. I think he has one fumble this year, which uh, I think came last week against the jets when he got sacked. But I think that again, I have confidence in Burrow going forward. But in this game, your best players on offense killed you. Joe Burrow's interception, the pick six, we, we talked about ad nauseum. Jamar Chase fumbling. Your, your best players on offense killed you. And, and I remember this happening a few times with A.J. Green when he was the best player on offense. When A.J. fumbled, it would really hurt. And, and when your best players are the ones that are making the mistakes, it, it's like you can't. You can't overcome that. It's a little bit worse. And again, I have confidence in Burrow going forward. I think he'll clean it up in the bye week. I think he'll be fine. But this is the thing that, you know, last year was a deep ball. This game, it was a deep ball as well, by the way. I think he was 0 of 7 on passes further than 20 yards downfield or maybe 0 of 6. But the, the bye week priority needs to be taking care of the ball better on offense for, for this offense because – in the early part of this game when the game script wasn't totally shot to heck, they were moving the ball really well. I thought they had a good balanced game plan. Joe Burrow was not getting hit. And then the mistake self-inflicted 
ended up letting the game get away from him. So by week time, right? Time to reset, reflect on the first half of the season, look forward to the second half of the season, reset expectations as the Bengals are officially at five and four at their bye week with a winning record. The Vegas over under on wins, I believe, was six and a half. So they're well on their way in that department. But will a collapse be imminent? Or will the Bengals bounce back the way that they have for much of this year until this game? Well, well this is We've the first got... time they lost back this is the first time they lost back to back games. So, you know, it, this year. So it's they have bounced back every single time. And today they didn't. Yeah. And that that's exactly what I was trying to get at there, but good clarification. Any in any event, we will have a lot of coverage for you in the next two weeks, talking about tape, talking about what happened in the first half, what to expect in the second half, talking with Joe Goodberry and hopefully another a number of other guests in the next couple of weeks as the Bengals have a weekend off. Until next time, Bengals fans, when we will do our film review with Bengals Sands, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.